feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, A.G. Garland, the Attorney General, Joe Biden's hand-picked Attorney General, no less, says, oh, he's not political, the FBI's not political. Uh, They just kind of happened to do the raid because they had no choice to get documents from the National Archives. What is going on here? Finally, the Attorney General breaks his silence And I don't know about you guys. He looked like he was in a hostage video. His eyes were like open and glazed. And he was like, uh, 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 uh. And it took him three days to finally come out with basically a statement that didn't say anything. It was less than five minutes. He didn't take any questions. They built it up like it was going to be some bombshell. And then it was delayed 40 minutes. He still claims that President Biden has no idea of what's going on, which may be true, basically based on his mental state. But President Biden's in South Carolina. He's in beautiful Kiowa Island, staying with a hedge fund billionaire, basically, at their family house there, you know, at the billionaire's house. He's on vacation mentally and physically right now. And we're supposed to believe that he has no clue of what's going on. I say complete hogwash. To me, this is so preposterous that we have now the attorney general of the United States who's like, oh, don't blame the FBI. It's only the same FBI that was involved in the Russian collusion hoax. The same ones that got that wiretap. Remember the warrant that got the wiretap on President Trump. The same ones and a whole bunch of others. They never went after Hillary Clinton. They never went after Sandy Berger after he was stuffing things in his pants and in his socks, literally from the National Archives. I mean, this to me is really unbelievable. It is just shocking. And so today we're led to believe that Attorney General Merrick Garland, boy, had all the ammunition and had every reason to go in because of basically documents that are tied to the National Archive. Now, every single time when you hear documents tied to the National Archive, there's always back and forth between the president and between the National Archives. Every single president who has left has had issues with the National Archives. I can't even think of a president that has not had issues with the National Archive. There's always back and forth with President Obama, President Clinton, Bush, and they just kind of go back and forth and say, hey, is this classified? Is this not classified? Why is it not? Did you unclassify it? Because guess what? A president at any given moment, can verbally declassify something. While they are president, they have to be president, but they have to do it either in writing or they could do it verbally. So we don't even know if some of the documents that President Trump has, maybe he declassified whatever it is. But boy, this sure seems like a pretext just to go in and go on a fishing expedition and get whatever you want. And we're supposed to believe after, again, what looked like a hostage video from Merrick Garland today, that whatever he says is correct. 
And that with the ever the FBI says for their justification to go in with basically guns blazing into a former president's home, which has never happened in American history over a raid like this into their home, that we're supposed to trust this FBI, this DOJ, that went after parents calling them domestic terrorists. You look at the history. By the way, 10 years ago, I would have said I would absolutely trust the FBI. But based on what I have seen of late, I have reason to wonder why and what certain agents are involved. The judge who signed off on the warrant just happened to have blasted President Trump in the past and had had so many issues in his background that he had to recuse himself for a case involving Trump on something else. But yet he's supposed to be the impartial guy to sign off on this warrant? How dare you? Why did he not step aside? Why did he not say, hey, I should have a there should be a special counsel or somebody else really looking into this. I have issues in my background where I had to recuse myself in the past. Don't you think going in right now he should recuse himself? He blasted the president publicly on prior cases, said, oh, he's, you know, has no moral authority, has no this, has no. Are you kidding me? This guy should have been recused from day one. He should have said, I cannot do it. I recuse myself in the past. But yet I'm in the appropriate position to do a raid, to sign off on a raid. This, to me, is so unbelievable. And the fact that President Biden and his team at the White House continue to make it sound like, oh, he had no clue of what's going on. That, to me, is unbelievable when you have seen the closeness of this attorney general and the White House. There is no way that I believe, whether they'll ever admit it or not, that they weren't somehow comparing notes, talking about certain things. Maybe they didn't tell the president directly, but I bet you they told a lot of other people that somehow tell the president X, tell him this. He just happens to go on vacation. He happens to be missing in action. And it's like, oh, we don't know anything about it. It's just like the same questions about Hunter Biden. It is like, oh, we know nothing. We know nothing. To me, when you are dealing with a raid on the former president of the United States, to me, after I saw this press conference today, or they're not even a press conference. It was a one-way, again, hostage video, basically. To me, it was shocking. Absolutely shocking. So I want to hear your thoughts about Merrick Garland about whatever he said today when he was dancing all over the place. Remember, it was like circle back all over the place. And the fact that he actually said we had basically no choice, essentially, but to carry out the way we did carry it out over documents, over National Archive documents that they had to go in like Annie Oakley at the OK Corral over National Archive documents, even though it's never been done in American history. And yet they that was the only choice that they had was to go in for that. Do you believe that? When possible, we always try to find the least intrusive way possible. You know what? Are you kidding me? They were apparently talking to the president, apparently. And I'm going to play a couple of clips later on. I did a blockbuster interview with John Solomon who had details about the president talking with them, giving them information, handing over boxes. Sure sound like things were cooperating, and then suddenly they go in with a raid? What made it so urgent that they needed to go in? 
And one thing that's interesting, by the way, that John Solomon was also telling me was that the that the actual search warrant was signed off on a Friday, and yet they carried out the raid on Monday with guns blazing, like again, like there's about to be some big bonfire at Mar-a-Lago. If you sign off on a raid and you make it sound like it's imminent that you're going to go into a former president's house with guns blazing and you got to hurry up and get in there, why didn't they go in Friday afternoon? Why did they wait till Monday? Was it just better for their schedule to go in Monday? Did they think maybe it'd get lost in the media if it was on a Friday? I mean, there are some really big questions. I am so skeptical of so many of these things. And guys, you know me. I'd say the same thing. If it was President Biden, it is outrageous. This is somebody who is the former president of the United States, and this is the way you handle it, that you go in like he is like a, a serial killer, and you go in, he's not even home. They knew he wasn't there. I knew he was in New York and West and in New Jersey because that's what they do this time of year. They're back and forth, and typically they are in New York and New Jersey during this time of year. It was no secret he was up and he wasn't even there. So what was going on that they suddenly had to hurry up and go in? And yet it wasn't such a rush job that they didn't go in on Friday when the warrant was actually signed. Is it urgent or is it not urgent? Get your story straight, Merrick Garland. Well, here first off is where he basically said, believe me, we had a reason to go in. Here is Merrick Garland just a little bit ago. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. All right, so probable cause. So the obvious question is, what was the probable cause? And he could not give an answer for that. It was like, ah, he wouldn't even answer. No questions. He just made his statement. There were zero questions loud. And again, he suddenly said that we're going to make a statement. And then it was supposed to be an hour later, and then he was 40 minutes late. But then we're supposed to believe he didn't tell the White House, and the White House found out he was doing a a comment. Are you kidding me? The White House claims they didn't even know he was making a statement today at all. That, to me, is inconceivable. Inconceivable. Like, they have no clue, and they said they found it out in the press. I'll give you a Brooklyn Bridge if anybody (laughs) believes that, because that is not true. There is no way in heck that this president or the White House had no clue he was going to go out. You think he just willy-nilly decided to? The Department of Justice head attorney general that was picked by this president, that's so close to this president philosophically, personally, on so many levels, just happened to go out on his own and make a statement about a historic raid of a former president, his nemesis? No way in heck. And then here's the line where my jaw just dropped. Again, he said... We basically had no choice but to go in and treat it like the Wild West. Take a listen. The department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. And good old Merrick Garland basically says the buck stops with him, that he oversaw it all. So guess what? If he oversaw it? Then he oversees the mess, too. Take a listen. I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. I personally approved it. So he signed off on it. So now he still isn't explaining it. 
boy, he opened up a huge can of worms. And this is what Jonathan Turley, the great constitutional scholar, said right after the comments, I can't even say news conference, comments by Attorney General Merrick Garland. This country could not be more divided. These are dangerous times. We don't need to add to that. Let's find a way to work the problem uh, short of sending in a dozen cars and agents to storm the house of a former president just before he announces his campaign for the next presidency. I mean, this whole situation had neon lights expressing danger lies ahead. And it seemed, at least so far, to be a reckless choice. Yeah, so far, it sure sounds like, what the heck were they looking for? And by the way, whatever they stumble upon, they happen to stumble upon in the search, could be used for other information. That's the thing that's really interesting. And that's why, let's see the search warrant. Let's see the affidavit that prompted it. Did they actually tell the judge, here's why we're going in? Here's the exact reason, and here's the reason we got to go in with guns blazing, 30 agents. He made it sound like we went in the least obvious way possible. Guess what? If 30 FBI agents show up at the former president's compound, kick out everybody else that's there, tell them not to run their surveillance cameras. Apparently, they still did, so that's good. I can't wait to see that. But then they're claiming that that was not obtrusive and that's going to be not alarming. I mean, what kind of planet are you on? And here is what Jonathan Turley had to say about the appearance of what Eric Garland made it sound like we tried to go in low key. Really? And I'm not even sure why, even if you decide you're going to raid the the, the home of a former president, why you need this battalion of FBI agents. You know, couldn't you just send over three or four agents? It didn't sound like uh, this was the, the uh, you know, Davidian compound. The, the, you know, the Trump people were saying they were cooperating. And yet they descended upon this location as if they expected to have a, a virtual firefight. Yeah, that's the way they descended on it. And wouldn't let anybody film it. Wouldn't let, I mean, this is really, there's some things that are just downright unconstitutional, downright unethical. And his news conference, or his comments, I should say again today, like made me just shaking my head and saying, are you kidding me? You had to go in. So again, if it was such a rush, why didn't they go in on Friday? Why didn't they go on Saturday? The president hasn't been there. He's up in New York. You know, I mean, what was going on that it was so imminent And yet they seem to wait until Monday, which is usually a better news day, to release things and make some headlines. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael real quick on line two. Michael, your thoughts. Well, Reader, I got to tell you, uh, you know what's going on. I don't know why you're so upset about it. They're trying to destroy Trump using any means in their disposal. They're so frightened of him. The internal poll numbers, if you listen to Dick Morris on his commentary on Sunday, the internal polls are so bad that the Democrats are beside themselves. Do you buy, by the way, Michael, that exactly as you're saying, I mean, first of all, Biden's poll numbers are like tanking, you know, faster than the Titanic. And 
you look at it and he is really sinking big time, you know. Um, and suddenly he's on vacation in South Carolina. He's sort of at this remote sort of island location there. It's a very uh, – Kiowa Island's like a very beautiful sort of, you know, kind of a remote location. I went to University of South Carolina, so I know the area. Um, and he seems to be out of it. You know, uh, Christopher Ray won't even answer. I mean, there's so many of these things that they're trying to believe, like, oh, they had nothing to do with it. We have no idea what's going on. Do you really believe that Biden had zero to do with it and that this just sort of happened and it, it just naturally was growing based on an investigation? But there's zero politics, which is what Garland was trying to almost repeat today and, and make us believe it. You know what's disturbing, Rita? As a kid growing up, I had a lot of respect for the FBI. But I've come to the conclusion that the FBI is so terminally corrupt, it needs to be abolished. Well, you know what's really sad is I have even said to, I have a lot of friends. I have friends at the FBI. Um, and I have I am astounded. Years ago, if somebody said, oh, the FBI went in, I'd say, oh, gosh, they got the goods. But based on some of the things that came out with all the Lisa Strzok, and, you know, the Lisa Page and Michael, Michael Strzok and all of that stuff. When I saw all that stuff came out, it was like, oh, that's not good. And it turned out that they clearly had a bias. And now the fact that whistleblowers have come forward, some of the whistleblowers came forward to uh, Grassley, you know, and said that they were purposely bringing down and diminishing the Hunter Biden investigation. You know, like, you know, as we clearly saw all over social media, remember they blocked it, they blocked the New York Post from reporting it. They did. There's been a lot of stuff of late that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. I never felt that way. And now when I look at it, my head is shaking and I have serious questions. And the fact it's this judge who even himself recognized that he had a political bias and stepped outside, stepped away and passed over a case that involved Trump before. And this time he didn't on probably one of the most, you know, uh, you know, controversial decisions that any judge in American history has ever done. He was good enough and didn't have a bias on this one. It does not make sense. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show as Merrick Garland, the attorney general, breaks his silence, but didn't say a lot and opened the door to so many Questions. I'm taking your calls tonight because this is a big night and so many questions about this case and a huge deal when you go in with 30 FBI agents to the president's home in Florida. Let's go to let's go to John. Line three. John, your thoughts about all this. Well, it's like a Gestapo tactic. I mean, any major leader that's like psych, psychotic imprisons the people that are against them. Plain and simple. Here they go. Well, you know what's interesting, John, is that, you know, there were questions from White House correspondents during the briefing to Corinne Jean-Pierre, you know, the White House press secretary this week. 
And boy, the White House is really trying to like consciously distance themselves to make it look like they had zero idea or zero anything. So much so she wouldn't even admit that Trump is basically a potential future and and past foe of President Biden. I mean, all the times, remember, it's ultra MAGA, ultra MAGA. He had he's had like Trumpitis, and yet you know suddenly they're silent and almost pretend like they don't know who Trump is. I mean, I don't buy it. Do you, John? Real quick. No, no, I don't buy it at all. I don't even listen to the news and I know about this. I had to disconnect myself because I get so angry. Well, you just need to listen to me, John, and then you'll get everything. That's all you need to know. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. And also our back, the blue. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story from Twinsburg, Ohio, where a 25-year-old officer, Olivia Bartulovic, knew from an early age that she wanted to get into law enforcement. She's a first-generation law enforcement in her family, and she says there's good days and bad days. She said that she learned that a good team is key and to make it through the shift together and, most importantly, make it home safe. Well, just a few weeks back, on July 18th, the officer showed her commitment to her city by saving two lives in just one shift, which is pretty amazing. She got a call of a fully unresponsive male who went into cardiac arrest in the business district, and she rushed to the scene and even got there before EMS arrived. The man was in full cardiac arrest, and his co-worker was performing CPR. She took over, continued the CPR until the medics arrived, And he was able to be transported to the hospital and they got his heart rhythm back by the EMS. How beautiful is that? But then just a couple hours later, the very same officer, she answered a call for another man in cardiac arrest who had passed out while eating dinner with his wife. She was yet again the first person to arrive on the scene. The wife was doing CPR at first, and I told her, the officer said, to just calm down and I will take it from here. The AMS arrived and took over the life-saving measures. Both of those people amazingly survived that day thanks to her quick thinking. And the police chief in the community there said it's not entirely uncommon for officers to perform life-saving techniques, but doing it multiple times in one shift is very very rare. How beautiful and how powerful that this young officer, again, 25 years old, was able to save two lives in basically just a matter of hours. What an incredible and powerful, powerful story. And we are continuing to talk about this stunning news conference or comments, I should say, from A.G. Garland today, the Attorney General Merrick Garland. 
And it was really stunning to hear some of his comments. I want to play, um, this is a comment from the podcast. This is Protecting America that I did. This is the first clip that I did. And I did an interview earlier today with John Solomon. And John Solomon of, of course, Just the News, founder of Just the News, great investigative journalist. And we're going to put the full podcast up tomorrow, but I want to give you a glimpse of it because John has covered a lot of things within the FBI. He's broken huge scoops, and he's been following a lot of the developments in this case, especially surrounding the raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago. And he said what he was so stunned about in particular was the fact that all of his sources, and he has great ones there in law enforcement, have been telling him that there was cooperation with President Trump and the DOJ and the FBI. That There's always this back and forth, hey, we have these documents, take a look at it, what do you think? There's always like discussions, you have this, sometimes presidents want to keep things for sentimental reasons or whatever different reasons. And he said it is absolutely stunning that they went in with basically guns blazing, especially given the backstory of the relationship with Trump and his team and those handling the archives. I mean, this was not like, you know, like, uh, oh, no, I'm not going to help. Basically, he says it was quite the contrary. And he actually revealed. And that's why I want to play this. This is stunning to me. He revealed that Trump himself basically said, hey, come anytime, anytime you want anything. You just let me know. I'll hand it over to you. I don't even have to be here. That was basically the premise. And it sure made it sound like it was even more cooperative than anything I had ever heard. This was really, really stunning. Take a listen. Here is the part of the interview with John Solomon in particular from our podcast. Take a listen. But here's the big thing that happens there that most lawyers tell me is the big moment that shows a double system, a dual system of justice. President Trump said, hey, whatever you guys need, let me know. I want to help out. And then they say, well, if you're really serious about that, let's call your bluff. How about we go see your storage locker? And the president's lawyer said, yeah, no problem. Come on down. They gave them a free tour of the compound. They allowed them to go in the storage locker, even though the subpoena didn't require that. They signaled to action and word and cooperation. If you got any other issues, let us know. We're gonna, we want to work with you. A few days after that, the FBI comes and says, you know, it'd be better to have a better lock on that storage locker. Sure, no problem. Here's a bigger lock. Circuit Service installs that. Again, cooperative. A couple of days after that, the Trump Organization, which owns Mar-a-Lago, gets a request, a voluntary request. We would like to have the security footage that has covered that storage. No problem. We have nothing to hide. We'll give it to you. That is an unprecedented amount of cooperation under a subpoena that the president could have gone to court and challenged like he has others. He did it. Two months pass, and all of a sudden, on August 5th, they're at the judge saying, we have to. We have to go raid the president, former president's home, which, by the way, is a big threshold to cross. And then three days later, they wait three days after they get the permission, and they show up. It's as though none of that cooperation before mattered. Every lawyer I've talked to, Democrat, Republican, law professor, they all say, listen, this doesn't seem right. Absent an exigent, extraordinary circumstance, there's no chance that the president wasn't going to keep continuing, and they should try to enforce the subpoena, go back, make another attempt. You don't just go raid because you want to. And here's the other thing. If it was an exigent circumstance, right, maybe there was something urgent, they got the warrant on Friday. They waited and yawned until Monday to execute it. They didn't seem to have a sense of urgency after they got the warrant. The legal experts thus far are very concerned by the way the Justice Department and the FBI act. And that includes a lot of Democrats like Alan Dershowitz and Jonathan Turley. They don't like this, even though they wouldn't vote for President Trump. 
Yeah. Isn't that stunning to hear even more level of cooperation coming from President Trump than I've seen reported anywhere? And John always gets some great stuff that's been on the money. And yet they go in like it's the OK Corral. I mean, that is really, really shocking. Again, take a listen. This is what the attorney general of the United States said just a few hours ago, basically saying we had no choice. And this was the only thing we could do. It's a very far cry from what you just heard from John Solomon. The department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. So we try to be least obtrusive, low-key. Oh, yeah, that's really low-key. Showing up with 30 guys armed at the FBI, kicking out everybody, telling them not to surveil, suddenly with lights blaring. You know, it's like, uh, what? it's either a bank robbery or you're going into Mar-a-Lago, you know, one of the two. And you think that that's low-key? Are you kidding me? You see like one or two cops outside Mar-a-Lago. You know it's going to be headlines, let alone 30 guys with lights on, guns. This, to me, is unbelievable. And this is what Chris Schwecker had to say. He's the former assistant FBI director. Take a listen to how he described what was supposed to be, quote, low-key. When you do such a, a make such a big show of, of a, the execution of a search warrant, lights flashing, kitted out ninja warriors out front. You know, the public speculation is rampant. And in the interest of, of, of just getting out ahead of it and, and not allowing misinformation to spread or speculation to go on, I think it's, it's, it's still some latitude there for the attorney general to come out and reassure the public that they're doing the right thing the right way. Yeah. You got to reassure the public and then to just go out and say, whoa, you know, we had probable cause. Trust us. This was the only way we could do it. And yet they signed off on the warrant on Friday. They go in on Monday with guns blazing. If they really thought it was guns blazing, do it Friday afternoon. None of this makes any sense. And we're supposed to believe that there's no politics that it's over paperwork of some sort. And we're going to get to some details in the next hour about some of the stuff that's coming up from the Washington Post, which is very interesting tonight. And we're going to be discussing that in the next hour. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Christine on line four. Christine from Connecticut, your thoughts. Hi. Hi, Rita. Um, we're talking the same attorney general who last fall called parents that went to PTA meetings to, to question the curriculum. He called them domestic terrorists. So wh- why am I expecting what's going on? Well, how much money has these leftists spent on all these years of this watch hunt on Trump, too? I mean, they wasted a lot of our tax money on this. You know what, Christine, you hit it on the head because it is our money. You're you're absolutely right. The whole Russia hoax, not only was it a complete fabrication, and we know that agents and others wrote false information to get those wiretaps. Remember, they were tapping Trump's, you know, all the campaign, and then they came up with all the, you know, the false, you know, dossier and all that stuff, which turned out to be debunked. And not only did it spend years of the administration's time 
And I, I want my president and I want my administration, no matter who it is, I want them clearly, clearly focused on what's going on in the country, not wasting their time. And just as you said, it was millions upon millions. I think it's billions, actually, and I should look at it. I want to get a, an accounting, but for sure it was millions upon millions of dollars. And you're right. It is our money. So what were they doing with our money, wasting our time? And indeed, in this case, they make it sound like, oh, why would you ever think we're political? You hit it on the head. They called parents domestic terrorists. And sadly, this AG, when when everything was happening with Brett Kavanaugh, he didn't say anything. And I'm talking about the threats against Brett Kavanaugh, the guy who came armed, loaded for bear at Brett Kavanaugh's home. He didn't say anything. He never condemned the protesters. He could have arrested every single protester outside of all their houses, all the conservative justices. He didn't do anything. But yet, as soon as the Roe v. Wade decision came out, he voiced, you know, his displeasure with it. And he's supposed to not be political. I mean, to me, this is the most transparently political AG I have seen in my lifetime. Your thoughts, Christine? Uh, This is amazing. And then what worries me, too, is they have 87,000 new IRS agents. They're going to go after us. You know what they're going to go after, too? A conservative minority person, someone like uh, you, like Bo Snerdley is in the afternoon here, and myself like a conservative trans woman. We're going to have targets on our backs. And you know how the IRS, these people, you're guilty to prove it innocent. This is a dangerous trend we're seeing. Yeah, it's a scary trend. And by the way, uh, not to deviate too much, but on that list of like job criteria to be an IRS agent must be qualified to use deadly force. True thing. I thought it was actually a joke when I saw it. It was on the criteria of here's your background. Here's this must be. What are you doing? I thought you were auditing people. I didn't realize you're going into the OK Corral. I mean, you know, it is scary. Christine, because we have already seen unbelievable political tendencies by this AG and by this administration. And the thought of like the convalescence, just as you're talking about the the coalescence, I should say, of putting together uh, 87,000 new IRS at a cost of $80 billion that's going to be probably approved on Friday. Um, Then you couple that with the raid of a political opponent's, you know, clearly their biggest political opponent, you know, former President Donald Trump and potentially future uh, political opponent for them. It's a scary place to be. And I never thought I'd see that in this country. You know, my father left a communist country. You know, my father fought the Nazis and the communists, you know what I mean, Uh, at the same time, you know. And my father left a country where you could not speak about what you went through. You know what I mean? Where they try to, you know, silence opposition and tried to and they silenced him in a very heavy handed way, as we know from history. And so I'm a big believer in free speech and free and equal justice. And lady justice should be colorblind and should not know what party you're a part of. Um, But you're absolutely right. Christine, thank you very, very much for the call. Let's go to Larry from Brooklyn. Line five. Larry, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. Before I make my comment, I just want to clear something up. Because this January 6th hearing is going on so long. Did they try to subpoena from Trump documents that he defeated them with executive privilege on January 6th? My memory's a little foggy. 
I believe they did. Yes, because other people did declare it. I'm trying. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. You know, there had to have been. Well, there's the answer to your aid. You see, this this whole thing with the National Archives, everybody knows it's a big ruse. You don't send all those agents for something that's not even a criminal offense. It's the National Archives. So the point is, what they're trying to do is, under the search warrant, they were trying to grab as many boxes as they can because they don't know which documents, everything. And what they're trying to do is find documents linked to January 6th. So they can indict him because they cannot indict him on the te- on, on hearsay testimony, and that's all you got in the January sixth hearings. They're clearly bent on some kind of indictment, and all you need is a corroboration of something that was said, probably uh, corroboration of the hearsay through a document, and boom, they get an indictment months later. See, Larry, and, uh, Larry, Larry Serrano, I think you're yeah. right. By the way, Larry, I actually think you are right in the sense that. They, this gave them the door to go on a fishing expedition because this gave them the justification. You know, it's like, oh, uh, he was jaywalking, so let me go in. And boy, what a surprise. Well, I found out that he was jaywalking and I was able to go question him. I noticed that there was a piece of paper on the bottom of his shoe and the piece of paper said, you know, uh, let's do this at the Capitol or, you know, I don't believe this about the election. The problem, two things are, one is if they falsely gave a pretext to why they did the raid, which is so far they're not even pushing for the affidavit to be released. They're just pushing for the search warrant that came out today. That's what A.G. Garland is. I want to see the affidavit because What did they justify to go in? Maybe they did just say, oh, well, we're just going there for National Archives. And then it turns out, oh, they happened to stumble upon something. We had no idea that next to those documents about, uh, you know, the meeting with Kim Jong-un and how nice dinner was and whether they had shrimp or uh, scallops at dinner. Boy, we happened to stumble upon this document here. You know, the problem, one thing, there's two issues here. One, that can be used, by the way. Legally, you are allowed to, if you go in there and you find what could be conceived as a crime while you're investigating another crime, even if it's much more minor, and then they stumble upon something that's greater, they are able to use it. Two, that could also, however, be a huge issue because maybe they went in under false pretenses and that really totally discredits the FBI uh, which is a great agency, and there's great agents there. But I think it's going to really deteriorate the trust in this agency, the trust in this administration. Uh, but you bring up a great point. So you all, you think really quick, Larry, that this is a ruse. Okay. Yeah. Now, also, if you think about it, this, this is you mentioned before. This is the same FBI that did the Russian uh, uh, collusion ruse. Now, um, uh, if you think about it, they're following a pattern. Because when they wanted to get Flynn, which was the initial jolt uh, to, to Trump with this Mueller thing, that triggered the Mueller uh, uh, investigation. When they wanted to get Flynn, what, that was a ruse, too. They looked up this, this ancient law. I forgot the name of the law where you can't you – Yeah, can't, the lobbying. Uh, the lobbying. The Logan Act. Yeah, the Logan Act. Yeah, that was never used, you see. So it, it is a pattern. They are following a pattern with the same FBI of use of looking to see what rules they can create in order to achieve their ulterior purpose. And you analyzed it right. If this is found to be a pretext 
and they indict him later, they're going to be very embarrassed when the criminal court throws out the indictment because they find out that this this whole investigation was a ruse. But we 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 may not find it out until after he's indicted. Now, do you think it's going to go to an indictment, Larry? If it's not, they are bent on on getting this guy any way they can. I want to tell you something. I will not rule out them trying to assassinate the guy. This, let me tell you something. Larry, uh, this wow. Started, this started, I'll tell you when this started. This started at when, when, Clinton, when, when Clinton lost the election. John Podesta, in the middle of the night, would not concede after all the AP and everything, the Reuters, they all called it for Trump. John Podesta would not concede and Hillary would not come out. And you know what? I'm in my bed saying, oh, my God, there's a coup going on. That's when this whole thing started. Hillary is behind the whole thing. Hillary and Bill Clinton are are very powerful people. They're fueling this entire thing. Well, we got to see. We got to find out who is behind all this. What do they really have? Do they have anything other than just pure speculation? There's a lot of different reports sort of out there tonight. I'm going to fill you in on some new information at the top of the hour. But it certainly begs a lot of questions. And remember, Hillary did think she was going to win. She had fireworks planned. Remember in New York? She had like the barges and the whole thing. And apparently she was throwing stuff when, you know, when it came down. And you're right. She didn't want to concede. And she kept calling him an illegitimate president. I mean, remember that? Boy, when he says it, it's not okay. But when they say it, it's okay. Doesn't that sound like a little bit of double standards? 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And a big news night as Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, breaks his silence and lots of details coming in, but still so many unanswered questions Uh, The one thing I did think was interesting that Garland said uh, that they have filed a motion in a sense. Um, And in fact, let me explain this. This is cut number one. Uh, This is what he basically did say that he was willing to put out in the public. Just now, the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was of premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. Uh, I think we know the back part. All right. So the first part, he's basically saying that they would unseal the search warrant. That's interesting. And the search of some of the items that were seized. So that would be really helpful. And listen, I hope that that does come out because, boy, that would be interesting. Although it may just say three boxes, two boxes, this. Um, 
I want to see the affidavit. The affidavit is supposedly the reason that they got the search warrant and that made it sound like they had to go in uh, basically with guns blazing. Why not release that? Let's go to Benjamin, who's in Australia. Benjamin, go ahead. Your thoughts. Uh, That's very good timing, Reid. I was going to have to get off the phone. Um, Donald Trump, what he has to do is sue Merrick Garland in the civil court for unreasonable search and seizure and get every FBI agent's name that did it, sue them, and then get his wife to sue them for playing with her underwear. That's it. Wow, Ben, you got it all. You Aussies really know how to, like, narrow it down. I knew someone would bring in Melania's underwear. And by the way, that is interesting that they actually went through her clothes. What were they looking for? Was he hiding it? Like in, uh, you know, in Victoria's Secret or what? Was there more secret than Victoria's been letting on all these years? Wow. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And this is the Rita Cosby Show, a stunning report coming in right now. This is coming from the Washington Post. And according to the Washington Post, uh, it is reporting that federal law enforcement officials were allegedly searching for highly classified documents related to nuclear weapons when they raided former President Trump's home in Florida. Uh, The Washington Post reporting that people who are aware of what was going on, that it was tied somehow to alleged documents on nuclear weapons uh, that were about uh, to be possessed by the United States or a foreign nation. Uh, This is a pretty stunning document uh, and report indeed, if indeed this is correct. And again, just the Washington Post reporting this tonight, uh, that some of the documents related to the search of President Trump's home tied to, quote, nuclear weapons. Wow. Boy, this is a stunning development. Um, So what do we know? What's fact? What's fiction? Joining us now is the great investigative journalist, also the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us on this big breaking news. What what do you know about what the Washington Post is reporting? Yeah, listen, I think uh, uh, I have been told for some time, I've said this publicly uh, in some of my interviews, that some of the government officials I've talked to over the last uh, few weeks as I've been uh, reporting on this have told me two things, that there have been an interest to see if the president, based on witnesses' description, had some remaining documents about uh, nuclear weapons or nuclear strategy. 
and that they had some interest in some documents involving North Korea. And, and whether that's nuclear-related or just Kim Jong-un or uh, relations, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard that from lots of officials. Here is the fundamental question. I've been saying this. I think it's a very important thing. The president is the ultimate declassifying authority, meaning on the spot the president could declassify something. It doesn't have to go through a review. It can be done. Now, many times it's done in a written order, but it can be done on the spot. George W. Bush's 2003 order makes clear the president has unilateral authority to uh, declassify any docket at any second without having to take any further action. It is unclear to me that the Justice Department has resolved the question of whether the documents the president had uh, that they've been looking for could have been declassified, that they've actually checked into it. And let me tell you the path of things that we know go on. The president, these classified documents that they retrieved earlier, we were told were in the residence. They got boxed up into uh, boxes by General Service Administration people and moved to Mar-a-Lago. Pretty extraordinary um, uh, concept. They're classified documents in the residence. Nobody knows they're there. They put them in boxes just like they were shoes, and they move in the Mar-a-Lago. And most of those boxes remain sealed for many months until the National Archives came uh, came knocking. Um, the fact that they're in the residence raises the possibility that the president could have moved them there by declassifying them. That's one of the questions we don't know, right? Sometimes the new uh, uh, classified documents are brought to the residence, and they're treated as classified sometimes. They're treated as unclassified. They've been declassified when they go to the residence. We just need to do a lot more reporting uh, on this. And I think the, the really selective leaks that have been going on in the media are giving us little fragments, little bits of uh, titillating information without the larger big questions answered. Is it possible the president declassified these documents and nobody has asked that question or researched it? Are they still sensitive? Maybe, but if they're declassified, it may not be a criminal matter. So. We're going to keep reporting on that, but that's some of the things I've heard. I've heard nuclear things. I've heard North Korea things. Um, uh, again, um, it's not clear that they found what they were looking for when they were there the other day. Now, what's interesting, and everybody, we're talking to John Solomon um, real quick with this big breaking news that the Washington Post is reporting nuclear documents of some sort, nuclear weapons documents tied to it. Um, yeah. So you're saying that obviously the president can declassify at any time verbally. So there's a chance that he declassified it, even if it was kind of sensitive. If he verbally did, if somebody can say, yeah, I was there, right, I was there, and he declassified it. If somebody can come forward at some point, um, so that could be part of it. The other, There doesn't even have to be a witness. The president could declassify it in the silence of his own room. And under under the current regulations, as I understand them, as the lawyers I've talked to over the last few weeks, the president has an absolute authority to declassify. Now, there should be good record keeping, but there wouldn't be. Here's one of the things that's interesting, Rita, uh, which is almost every classified document the president gets gets logged in and out, right? There's a record of it. Is the National Archives missing nuclear documents, or do they have them? If they have them, why are they still looking for them? Maybe it's just based on some witnesses testimony, just like witness testimony we heard the other day, right? Oh, the president grabbed the steering wheel of the Secret Service. Uh, no, they didn't. Um, there is a lot of unclarity about what is driving the search for these documents. You would think if the National Archives knew that the president had nuclear documents that they're, and they're not in the archive, that, well, they're missing. Uh, that is a question that doesn't seem to be at issue here. It doesn't appear that the National Archives has a log saying there's these missing documents. So it could be someone remembering something months later that went before a grand jury or said something. Uh, But usually all 
classified documents brought to the White House or in, entered into the White House, there's a log. They're kept. There's a very care, careful record-keeping system. And I think that that's one of the other pieces of this that the reporting hasn't captured thus far. Now, when you talk about that it was brought over to Mar-a-Lago, do we know that those documents were brought over by GSA? Somebody else boxed them up. So in other words, yeah. uh, do we know that that's how they ended up in Mar-a-Lago, or do we know if the president brought them? So uh, the majority of the 15 boxes that were originally collected earlier this year, according to the National Archives, this is their account in the letter that they sent out, were gathered by GSA and sent over. It's not clear the president even knew there. I mean, I knew there were boxes in a locker. Did he know what was in there? I don't know. There are other items that the president likely brought by himself. I'll give you one example that I've heard about uh, from law enforcement officials and others. The president had a bunch of photos of his interactions with world leaders and probably some correspondence from world leaders. Now, under normal security law, any foreign communication is automatically assumed to be at the secret level. Uh, It's classified uh, automatically just because it involves a foreign government. So it could very well be that Donald Trump has pictures of himself with Kim Jong-un. It might be the identical picture that the New York Times also <laughs> published when they covered the event, right? Uh, but if the, uh, if the president has it and it was taken by a government photographer, it could possibly have a classification on the back of the photo. Does anyone think that that's a major national security risk? No, I don't think most people would be worried about a photo that the New York Times or the Washington Post could have taken. So there's a lot of complexity here, and the media has repeatedly uh, – listen, we, two days ago we were told Merrick Garland reports out there, incredible news organizations. Merrick Garland was out of the loop on this. You saw how accurate those reports are. There's a lot of reporting here that's fragmentary in a very complex world of classified information. I think we need to slow down, keep getting facts, and put the pieces together, timeline together answer these important questions like you and I are asking right now. Well, that's why. And is your impression that, uh, John Tellman, that this nuclear weapons, these docs, some of them were given in the 15 boxes? Is that that's your impression originally? Yeah, I don't think so, because if they were in the 15 boxes, they would, uh, the Washington Post report would not would not be saying they were looking for them now. Right? They were claiming, uh, as I understand it, and I heard some people today in the government circles telling me that that was one of many things they were looking for, something about nuclear, something about North Korea. Uh, it's really not clear. And a lot of the people who are talking might be violating court orders or grand jury secrecy. Uh, and so we have to take everything uh, there. And there has always been concerns about this because this was the same questions that surrounded Mrs. Clinton. There was some highly classified North Korea document that was at the focus of her investigation. I think we just need to take our time. It's just going to take time to get facts. We need to be patient. We're in a murky world of, of intelligence, and not many laymen and laywomen, myself included, really know all the rules. And so I think we got to take everything at a step at a time, uh, go slowly, be methodical. Maybe there's something serious here. Maybe there's not. But I know one question that we haven't answered is, what is the president's account of what he declassified? And I think we need to get that answer because as the ultimate declassifying authority, he may have more latitude than the Justice Department is portraying right now. Yeah, and what you just said is that he could have even done it silently. That was interesting, John, because I knew that he could verbally. I was not aware he could even do it by himself, right? So he could say, 
I declassified that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's what's really amazing and not even have to have a witness. Correct. Under the order, it's really expansive. The order just makes clear the president, vice president are in a category all by themselves. Now, there may be good procedures that the White House should normally follow. Like when remember when he declassified the Russia documents, I've made public the actual order. He actually signed an order saying I'm declassifying these documents on January 19, 2021. So sometimes there's a very good record keeping order. Ideally, there would be a record keeping order for all declassifications. But as I read it and as the national security experts I talked to today have told me, uh, it can be done verbally. And I, I, w- I was with someone today who you know, served a different president, and they were at the secret level one day in a meeting, and they were pre- meeting with President Bush. And they came into the meeting, and it was like, oh, I have to leave the meeting. I don't have top secret. The president said, you're cleared. And that's all it took. You're cleared. So there can be that level of instant change that only a president and vice president can do. No one else can do that in the government. And I think that that's you know something that we haven't pondered in the media very much. We got to keep digging. We're going to get a lot of answers. It's going to take several weeks, I fear, before we know the whole truth. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, John Solomon, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, last minute on this big breaking news because when you see a headline like that, I know who the best person to go to, and that's you. Oh, so you. we're really grateful for you to be here on the Rita Cosby Show with this important information, my friend. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, the great John Solomon of Just the News, who has really been on top of all of this. Uh, really stunning details. Everybody, especially again with this new headline coming in from the Washington Post, uh, reporting that there was some sort of highly classified documents related to nuclear weapons. But then you just heard from John Solomon, all these other layers out there that maybe the president declassified something. What is it related? Is it Kim Jong-un talking about something? Is it something as serious as nuclear weapons? Could the president, again, have, even if it is something super sensitive, technically declassified it? Uh, That is possible based on what John Solomon was just reporting, which I thought was really powerful information that the president may have even verbally declassified it, can't even do it on his own. Uh, That was a stunning detail that John just said. I learned something there. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Very powerful. So where does this go? Wow, wow, wow. Uh, let's go to Patricia in Jacksonville. Patricia, uh, you're just learning about all this stuff as I am, too. What's your reaction? Oh, Miss Rita, I am so fired up tonight. By the way, I am, too, Patricia. Join that club, girlfriend. No kidding, and it's so good to have you. I've to have found you on WABC. I just listen to you all the time. But I just had to say, did you see, I don't know if it was a tweet or where she came out. This is Clinton all over it. She came out and mocked President Trump with a blue hat on her head that said, but her emails. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I wrapping all the way with this thing. And Eric Holder came out a couple days ago saying, I have no doubt by the end of the week we'll have some kind of indictment against President Trump. I mean, it's so, they're so blatantly open with what they do now. You know what? It's amazing. And especially what's incredible, Patricia, too, is what John Solomon just reminded all of us about Um, because he's been covering this stuff, I think, better than anybody. He just brought up the fact that Hillary Clinton, remember when all the stuff was going on with her emails and the servers and all that stuff, and she had classified information on her servers. She was using her personal email when she wasn't supposed to be using her personal email. And remember, like, you know, through a server that was based at her home in Chappaqua, which, by the way, was never raided. 
Um, and remember all the stuff somehow got hit with a hammer, the blackberries and the stuff was scrubbed. Some of the information was related to things like, you know, sensitive information tied to China, tied to North Korea, tied to a lot of these things, according to all these various reports that were coming out at the time. And so for her to now be out there parading with, uh, you know, the it's my emails. I, I saw that the other day on social media. It's like she's like mocking and laughing about it. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, she definitely had sensitive stuff on there that shouldn't have gone outside and there were allegations that her stuff was being hacked. So the the hypocrisy is pretty deep, don't you think, Patricia? Very deep. <laughs> yeah, boy, it's getting. It, this is like a, this is like a page turner. And now that we're hearing it, this it nuclear is. weapons and it's thing, they all over again too. It yeah. is. This is like this is getting really wild. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're one of the, you know, Tom Clancy couldn't have written a better like story than this one, Patricia. My goodness, where do you see this going, Patricia? What's your thoughts? Oops! Hey, Patricia, we just lost you. Call us back. You're on your your line just dropped off, but call us back. I heard you trying to get in there. That was we'll try to get to that. Uh, let's go uh, when we get back. Let's continue with your calls after the break, everybody. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. I'm fired up. So is Patricia, and I bet you are too. Listening to the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And stunning new details, of course, stuff coming fast and furious here. But I have a lot of questions after hearing Merrick Garland. And again, what I thought looked like a hostage video and basically... In the video, when he's talking, he doesn't answer any questions. Remember, it's it's a press conference, but it's not a press conference because he doesn't answer any questions. He talks for less than five minutes, and this has been the biggest story in the world. You've got a raid by FBI agents on the former president's home, and after the attorney general, who says he's not political, he doesn't answer any questions. He also opens the door to more questions than he answered. And he also wants us to believe that this was the only way necessary was to just go to the president's home with 30 agents. And again, the thing that to me is so, so stunning is apparently this warrant was signed on a Friday and he said they had no other way that they could handle this than to hurry up and go in there, but yet they wait till a Monday to actually execute the warrant? How does that sound like it's, like, so pressing? That they could wait over the weekend? They wait till a Monday? If it's so pressing, why didn't you go in on a Friday? If it's so urgent, why didn't you go in on a Friday? And then he makes it sound like it's low-key. This is another thing, too. He says... We basically tried to kind of, you know, go in that it wasn't obtrusive. You think 30 agents going in on a Monday to the former president's home is low-key? Is there anything low-key about that? That's like a big old neon sign saying, guess what, everybody? Guess what we just did? 
that's the lowest form of, you know, you know, of being obtrusive that you can come up with. Which way is it? It's urgent, then execute it. Or we're trying to be low key. So that's why we went in quietly, quietly. You know, you got 30 FBI agents, lights, sirens, guns, the whole to do at a former president's home, President Trump's home in Florida. And that's low key. That's the quietest way you could do it. There is something that clearly does not add up in this case. And there are so many questions that Americans, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, you know, this doesn't seem right. There is something that we need to get to the bottom of. And we definitely need to get access, I think, to the search warrant. I think we need to find out about the items that were seized because clearly we need to know what was taken. Why wouldn't they let the president's attorneys reportedly film it? If there's nothing to hide, why did they say, hey, shut up all the surveillance cameras? Don't you think maybe the public has a right to know what's going on? And why are we not getting the affidavit? Because the affidavit apparently would have this information. There are reports that there's some mole there at Mar-a-Lago. Why not release the affidavit? Let's see who was the source that generated a search warrant on a former president's home. You should release that affidavit. You should release everything. If you have nothing to hide, let's see all the details. Let's see what's out there. Let's see what is the big deal that they suddenly had to raid a president's home when we're hearing from a whole bunch of reports that the president was cooperating, that there were discussions going over a National Archives document. And the Attorney General of the United States wants us to believe there's no politics involved, that this was a low-key way to do it. And he just can't imagine why people are questioning the politics behind this, why they're suddenly questioning the FBI, why they're questioning him. I mean, is this guy out to lunch or what? We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. There's a lot of questions that we need answers. The Rita Cosby Show. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a very powerful story coming from Michigan, where a Vietnam veteran, Robert Soroki, finally received recognition from the U.S. military for his great actions and powerful actions in a war that happened 54 years ago. At 20 years old, Soroki was just one of the many American men that signed up for the service during the Vietnam War. And in November of 1965, he began his basic training at Fort Knox. In November of 1966, he was officially a part 
of the American army, and he found himself in the city of Saigon, which, of course, is now called Ho Chi Minh City. And for many months, Soroki and his fellow soldiers moved across Vietnam to give support to other troops who were there in time of need. And in this time, he lent support to the 22nd Mechanized Infantry Division and the 168th Late Infantry Brigade. It was during these months that Soroki saw combat and earned his Combat Infantry Badge for actively engaging in ground combat. And for several months, he and the infantry battalion were stationed in a small village, and it was here that he earned the Medal of Meritorious Service. So finally, years later, after his deployment and after he finished his service, he received his combat infantry badge. But because of a clerical mistake, the paperwork for the other two medals that he was supposed to receive during this time never went through. So finally, on June 15th, the U.S. Army this year recognized Soroki for the two other awards for recognition of his meritorious service, and they officially honored him with these medals. How amazing, 54 years later, decades later, and on June 30th, he actually physically received the awards for his service to our nation, and how beautiful he was alive to see him receiving his full, full recognition. What a beautiful thing. And for a guy in the Vietnam War. I want to say to him and to all our great Vietnam veterans who listen to this show, I love you all, men and women, welcome home, and thank you for your incredible, incredible service to our nation. Well, we are talking, of course, about what happened just a few hours ago, a stunning, stunning statement from the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, saying that, yes, They did the raid. We all know that. That was no big bombshell. Boy, is there anybody uh, who's living under a rock who didn't know that one? And he said, we basically found the least obtrusive way possible. That part, I'm still having a hard time on, guys, as you can tell. The fact that the least obtrusive way is with 30 guys showing up, at least 30 FBI agents, basically with guns blazing, And the lights and everything else, this to me is just unbelievable that this is the way they carried it out. And I want to play a comment. This is cut 25 of Laura Trump because Laura Trump cannot understand. She's had conversations, many of them, with her father-in-law in the last few days. She knows him super well. And according to many reports, the president was cooperating. So why would you, if a president was cooperating... And there was a letter saying that he was cooperating, even as recently, basically, there was a meeting in June that he showed up for in early June and said, guys, if you guys want to come back, anything else, you let me know. Um, There seems to be, by all accounts, that in June, he definitely was cooperating. He even showed up at a meeting. And this was, again, over documents that are the National Archives. So what everybody's trying to figure out is what happened that suddenly guns blazing showing up. Uh, After they sign a warrant, according to Merrick Garland today, that he approved, he admitted he approved it. This was on Friday. Then they show up on Monday, as we all know, Monday morning, and the president's not even there. So what happened? It's still there's still a lot of missing pieces here. And here's what Laura Trump had to say 
after Merrick Garland's comments today. Take a listen. This is Cut 25. The last word spoken on June 3rd when the investigators came in is they, they were told anything you need, let us know by my father-in-law verbatim. About a day or so later, they received a call asking them to padlock uh, that office that had the, the information, the files in it that they were interested in. They followed that, uh, you know, to a T. And then the next thing we know, here we are on Monday morning getting a call saying that the FBI is on the doorstep of Mar-a-Lago. So um, to our knowledge, there was nothing more that could have been done. There was nothing that happened in the interim that would have warranted such an aggressive, um, heavy-handed approach to something like this, specifically and especially when it's the former president. And here's a little bit more of what Laura Trump also had to say of the double standards of justice. The last word spoken on June 3rd when the investigators came in is they, they were told anything you need, let us know by my father-in-law verbatim. About a day or so later, they received a call asking them to padlock uh, that office that had the, the information, the files in it that they were interested in. They followed that, uh, you know, to a T. And then the next thing we know, here we are on Monday morning getting a call saying that the FBI is on the doorstep of Mar-a-Lago. So um, to our knowledge, there was nothing more that could have been done. There was nothing that happened in the interim that would have warranted such an aggressive, uh, heavy-handed approach to something like this, specifically and especially when it is the former president. That is a huge deal. You've got the former president. And she's wondering what happened when this whole thing unfolded, right? And apparently he's cooperating June 3rd. And now we're led to believe that the only way they could get some document was to go in with guns blazing, 30 agents and lights and sirens and the whole to-do. Everybody, I just so you know, I had people that were near Mar-a-Lago that messaged me on Monday and said there's a raid going on at Mar-a-Lago. So if they thought they were low-key, they were not low-key. That's the first I heard about it. I heard it from people who were living near Mar-a-Lago and said there's a raid going on. So it was very obvious to the world there was a raid going on at Mar-a-Lago. They were not, like, going in, you know, dressed up as uh, waiters and suddenly, like, going through stuff. Everybody around Mar-a-Lago knew what was going on. So... What was so much that they wanted to embarrass this president? And now we're just hearing also from John Solomon that even though the Washington Post is reporting that apparently there were documents, something related to nuclear, it may have been something that the president declassified. We don't know. Was it something that he didn't declassify and they can prove he didn't declassify? Or did he verbally declassify them according to what John Solomon was just reporting. This was stunning that George W. Bush had issued an order where he could declass, where any president from him on could declassify things automatically. And maybe it was also done. I'm just surmising because under George W. Bush, remember nine 11 happened. So maybe there were things that were so sensitive at the time of George W. Bush or things that needed to be suddenly made public at the time, given all the dynamics that were going on in the world and how things were unfolding so quickly that things had to be declassified, where he actually granted the authority to the president and vice president, as we just heard from John Solomon, that the president or vice president could, under their authority, automatically declassify something. 
And what John said, and I learned this from John, as you all did at the same time, that maybe nobody else had to be present. And the president, the president himself, could automatically declassify and say, I declassified. He had the authority that under his watch that he had declassified a document. So what was it that now could be so sensitive or that they believe the president, quote, didn't declassify? Maybe did he not notify them? Um, that could happen, and that could just be a clerical error, or is it something much worse and much more nefar- nefarious? We don't know. I mean, this is stunning that we're hearing tonight uh, something tied to nuclear weapons, but then as John is saying, maybe it was something that he had already declassified, and maybe they just didn't know about it, didn't have a record. Maybe there's someone else who could verify it. Maybe they don't even need it based on this George W. Bush order that the president solely could declassify something. Maybe they're making it sound out to be much more nefarious than it is. Or is it something he wasn't even aware of that was in the boxes? Because according to what we were hearing, GSA, a bunch of clerks, I can tell you, I know what GSA is. It's a general services administration. And maybe they went and boxed something up, put it down there, and maybe he didn't even know something was there. There's a lot of questions tonight. And boy, is it getting really, really interesting. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Judith on line five. Judith, your thoughts about all of this. Hi, Rita. Yep. Hey, how are you? You're here on the show. Go ahead, Judith. Thank you. Number one, I think this is nothing more than political theater, okay? They've always they've been persecuting, harassing him from day one. The FBI went on an fishing expedition, I feel. They blocked the lawyers from overseeing the raid, okay, which is illegal. Uh, They requested to shut off the surveillance. They were there for nine hours besides rummaging through Melania's private wardrobe. I think they bugged the place. That's what I think. So that's interesting. So now they did not want, by the way, the surveillance cameras to be run. Um, Now, I'll play a little bit as devil's advocate. First of all, why would you not want? The second reason, though, I will say is if you're about to do a federal investigation, you certainly don't want surveillance cameras of them talking about private FBI stuff or whatever. But if I'm the former president of the United States, I sure as heck want them to keep running those cameras because you want to know everything they're doing. What are they seizing? Are they giving a full accounting of what they're seizing you even suspect that they might even leave something there to what entrap him? Oh yes, yeah, surveillance of their own, bugging them all over the place. I think that uh, President Trump, when he gets back, he should really check the place out. I do not trust the FBI. They are rogue. They are just a rogue bunch. Wow. They have to be dismantled. They have to be dismantled. Well, there, I mean, by the way, just... Judith, there are definitely there's there's some great people in the FBI, and I will say that. I mean, I know. Um, a number of people, and there's some great ones. But as we talked about with the whole uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page stuff, uh, those people, that that was stunning, what they did, the That's bias. Right. And there are right. definitely some bad apples in there. And that, that saddens me to say that, but that's the reality. That's true. Yeah, really sad. Judah, thank you very, thank very you. much. Let's go to Stan uh, in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about this? Uh, congratulations to the FBI. I think they did a magnificent job. They did it professionally. And even better, AG, the AG uh, Garland has boxed in Donald Trump tomorrow at 3 o'clock. He has a chance. And he, Mr. Garland has told him, 
You can unseal the warrant and look at it and so forth. But I doubt very much he will do that because his lawyers will tell him not to do that because we'll know then what they were looking for. Yes, the Washington Post has reported the possibility of nuclear documents there. They reported that over an hour ago. You're behind the times. But Actually, the- Stan, Stan, two things. Uh, you're a little behind the times because for some reason you think that the every FBI agent is above reproach. And I've defended the agency because I still think there's some outstanding people in there. Um, but there clearly have been some bad apples in the past. They clearly gave bad information to set up President Trump in the Russia hoax. They also gave information for false wiretaps. That is a fact, Stan. And Stan, that may be a hard fact for you to accept, but you seem to believe that they're not out to get this president. There is clear evidence that at least some agents have. And I won't smear the whole agency because I think there's some great people and and 99% of them are great. But don't you have a problem with, you know, with people who have shown a bias in the past, at least some of the agents? And this judge, in fact, is pretty interesting, Stan. Um, there, The judge in this case has already said negative things about President Trump in the past, so much so he recused himself on a prior case. What is he doing in this case, Stan? Go ahead. Let's get something straight, okay? Donald Trump put himself in this situation. Yeah, they've been negotiating with him for almost four months already and so forth. And he's been cooperating. Stan, Stan, hold on a second. You do need to answer a question. So far from what we have been told, if it's correct, and I, I always say if, because, you know, I say reports and things, you know, because, well, let's see where things go. You know, if I see things go the other way, I always say it. I, I always call a spade a spade. But in this case, we have so far heard from numerous people that he was cooperating. Even the agency, even I should say the National Archives have said that he has a letter and, and it's it's documented that apparently he came out and was there at a meeting in January, in June 3rd, which wasn't that long ago, and he was saying, hey, if you want to come back, come back or whatever. You know, you are cooperating. He has a letter that shows that he was. they were saying he was cooperating in June. So you can't say that he never was cooperating because he clearly was, and there's evidence that he was at least fairly recently. So now they got to go in with guns blazing. So you tell me what happened. You make it sound like he never cooperated. That is I didn't not correct. Say that. You put like to put words in people. No, you do, been, Stan. Wait a minute. Stan, you I think Biden walks on water. You, you do that all the time to everybody. No, I do it to Absolutely. you, Stan, because I like Let to me, correct things that no, are wrong. He's been negotiating for three or four months already. They had meetings and so forth. But apparently, apparently, someone stated or said it that there was uh, information on nuclear weapons and so forth or whatever in that regard. So if I'm the AG... I ain't wasting time and so forth. So, but Stan, exactly hang on, hang on, Tamara, Stan, hang Tamara, on, Stan, Stan, to... you make it sound like it was so eminent. And if that's the case, and, and if that were the case, apparently the warrant was signed on Friday. So if something was so eminent, why did they wait till Monday? I mean, that's another thing. A lot of things just don't make sense, Stan. I'm just uh, common sense. I'm not talking from a partisan. I'm just saying if somebody signs something and says, gosh, we got to go in there. We had no choice. It was eminent. 
if something's evident to me, you don't wait till Monday. Doesn't that sound a little odd to you? FBI, they have to organize the situation to make everything work exactly correct. When you work for the FBI, you tell me, but you don't. Garland Nor exactly do you, Stan, 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 are you like, uh, are you get smart, you know, talking on, well, the, on your shoe I'm smarter in this situation than you. No, I'm not sure about exactly that, Stan. exactly what they were supposed to do. Stan, Stan, exactly what they Stan, were I am do. not sure what you're drinking tonight, but it's some really good stuff. And I hope you share it with everybody else because, boy, it's working great on you. It is working great on you. There are some serious questions here, my friend, and every American should be concerned. And I'd say the same thing if it was President Biden, because you know what, Stan, if it was President Biden, you'd be like, oh, boy, were they overreaching? Boy, were they doing this? You know, you got to be lady justice should be fair to both. And you don't seem to want to play fair. Go ahead, Stan. Isn't President Biden? It's Donald Trump. Now, tomorrow, the really, he has a chance to unseal the warrant, okay? And then we can find out what's going on. Actually, A.G. Garland did it. It was the smartest thing to put, let Trump open it up. Now, will he do it tomorrow? I doubt it very much. Let's see. Let's see, my uh, friend, it. right? Let's see. Let's see. Let's, Let's see. see. Stan, I love you anyway. Have a good night. Have a good night. I'll continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. You are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. And boy, there's a lot of unanswered questions tonight. Uh, Stan definitely is drinking Kool-Aid. And again, that's stronger than anything I had in college. Boy, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bob, line one. Bob, your thoughts about uh, this and uh, Stan the man, boy, who's got a plan. Hey, Bob, you there? Bob, yes, yes. Yep. Go evening. ahead, Bob, real quick. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'd like to make a comment about this uh, ridiculous uh, Nazi type of uh, raid that they did. Uh, it's so interesting because uh, Hillary had all those 30,000 emails that uh, she blemished and she bleached and she you know, threw a, broke it and nobody said a word. And all the all the things going on in Washington now, and nobody says a word. And here you got a president. Now they're making up stories about nuclear weapons. And what else do they think? Maybe he had a missile in his uh, Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, well, you know what? You know, that's the reason why, Bob, it's like I actually thought John Solomon, who was on the show, I don't know if you heard at the top. Yes, I um, did. Because I wanted to get him. He's He has been so right on the money in his reporting. And his response was everybody needs to just take a step back because you're right when you see this headline from the washington post uh which by the way is going to be in every place tomorrow they're saying that there was some sort of classified document tied to nuclear weapons well then you heard from john solomon that somebody else was packing up some of the boxes and maybe they packed up something that had something and it may even be something that he declassified you know, so at the end of the day, we're, so far, it still sounds like going in with guns blazing 
And again, That's nothing right. makes sense, Bob. If it's if it is so imminent, why did you wait? Why did you wait a whole weekend if something is like, you know, okay. like uh, something? It can't be both. It can't be imminent where you needed to have them go in. And then it can't be not important enough that you would actually call a raid. So right. and what you know, bothers me, I, I was making this, uh, this, this discussion today with one of our uh, friends, and I said, watch what's going to happen now. They're so afraid that the Republicans might win. They might call off the elections and say they can't do it because things are going on. I mean, these crazy things that like anything they can, they can, you know, decide upon. Yeah, there's something that there's something that's not right, and something smells really rotten here, and we still need to get to the bottom of it. And they want us to all believe, like, oh, trust us. And yeah, not only that, but I heard when he spoke today, he said, "I am not going to sit idly by the way people are going to threaten." Where were they when they threatened the Kavanaugh uh, during the uh, Roe versus Wade? Absolutely. They, they, you're right. They, and and that's what I bring up, Bob, because at that point, you're right. They were silent. And that's why he wants us to wonder why people are questioning politics. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I agree with you. There, there is, They can't just get a free pass. They need to give answers and full answers to the American public. Real quick, Marianne. Uh, your thoughts, Marianne, line five. Marianne, go ahead. Hi, Vida. Uh, well, uh, we have to see what's happening before, what happened. Uh, Garland, uh, in my opinion, is the worst enemy that Donald Trump had. Do you remember when he was nominated for the Supreme Court? And yeah, I do. I do. And, and yeah. Marianne, it's a little blurry there, but I heard you say that that you believe that Garland's the enemy of Trump. I mean, he clearly uh, has a vendetta, um, you know, and listen, he was picked by Biden. Even if he didn't have something, he should recuse himself and it should be a special prosecutor. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.